Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And today, and we have actually two podcasts for you this week. And we're going to discuss in this podcast some um, Super Rugby um, semi-final results. We're going to talk about the, the 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 All Black squad announcement that happened, and we're also going to look at some of the other squads that have been announced um, during the, during the last few days, especially the ones from Samoa and Tonga as well. So in this podcast, we're joined by Cooks and Sean. Jared and Cooks did have their brief um, reunion and oh, squash their beef for a little bit. It. But it seems like the beef has, has come back now, Sean, because now they're separated again. <laughs> oh, no. But still, it would have been nice. I, like, I would have been in the background playing the violin while they, like, just made amends. But, I mean, <laughs> can't, wait, can't wait. Can't wait to hear it. It's been that quick between pods. <laughs> so, Sean, we basically, in the last part, I just want to hear your quick thoughts about it. So I'll just give you... Take for take, and you can go for it. So, top fourteen final, probably best final we've seen this year, and Roman to Mark one of the best tries we've seen to win a final. What do you think? Yeah, wow, um, <clears throat> incredible final. We as rugby fans have been incredibly spoiled, not just with that final, but the URC final, the Premiership final. Um, there's been a whole bunch of finals this year and games that have been like absolutely shooting the lights out we've been pretty spoiled but yeah oh, i'm i'm gutted like it's so weird over the last um a little bit like obviously you know we've been following uh well specifically the last two seasons we've all been really uh, invested in dylan lates and raymond rule um and the and the boys at uh, la rochelle and uh, just following them so much on socials and and seeing how what rad vibe it is there like I'm so gutted. And Dylan Lates was heartbroken at the end of that. Like, it's clear that he blames himself for that try. And it really, he's been quite, been very hard himself. But I mean, it just shows like how much it meant. And I feel for it. Like, whenever I look at that try, I'm just so bummed. Like, I can't not see, um, <clears throat> can't, can't not see that. But that emotional bit aside, incredible. Um, just the way that he, he, he shifted into another channel. Um, great little drift pass but also movement on his part and he flipping put the hammer down man he had a bit of a shock well I didn't say he had a shocker but he had really bad moments in that game so he was okay Romain Intermak did his bit um I thought um you know and then he, he uh, when he missed that kick to touch I was like sure that's that's gonna haunt him and I was thinking immediately about the World Cup thinking mm, pressure's on is he going to come right? Who's he going to come right against? And then a few minutes later, he did that. But on that try, Silteni, I thought he was right to make that shoot. Um, he missed it though. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot up over there, you you want to get a shoulder on at least. And then um, and they just couldn't close the gap afterwards. Um, and you know, I put the hammer down. I thought I thought Dante had a little bit of a, a so-so game which was quite weird. But um, other than that, like it was a flipping, oof, what a cracking game. And man, it's France is the place to be for rugby. I mean, there were like a million people at that game. It looked like a party nonstop. And then we talked about the Curry Cup. I mean, as Cooks briefly summarized that, just see what we've talked about in the last, what, eight, nine months of podcasts about the Bulls and the Sharks. And then, yeah, finally, we talked about the, the changes in the Springbok squad. Um, Jean Klein has been confirmed to play for the Springboks and has he been confirmed? 
I saw. I believe so. Yes, so I haven't seen an official thing. I saw that there was stuff saying that he had been. So I'm that my whole thing was uh, like I'm all for it. Like I was chatting to this guy on Twitter, and he well, I wouldn't say it was a chat. He got a little upset because I kept saying like, "Don't bank on John Klein going because he's in the squad, but he's a 41st member, and we're waiting for confirmation." And he took it like I was anti Klein being there, which I'm not. But I just know that we would have had to have had him and planned for him to be in the group. You can't wait for him to give the thumbs up and then dump him in and expect him to work. So um, I knew he was there and not eligible officially, but that's good to hear. I'm super happy to hear that. I won't lie. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think it's official, official, official yet, but uh, yeah, it's getting there. And then, yeah, a, a, player, PJ, you eh? might, yeah, a player you might have a few thoughts about. Oh, man. I could not agree with this decision more. We always knew he was going to be in the mix. I have, to be fair, is maybe it's more a relief call up for me. Like we're finally, after the months and months of me saying what I've said, that they've called him back. But I expected him to get another chance. And this is it. But looking, <clears throat> you know, I think this is, the more I think about it, the more it looks like a genius move. So the only person that could really put anyone else under pressure about going to the World Cup as a backup 10 is Alton Yanchis and possibly Mornay Stain. Okay, so Mornay is officially retired, but as we all know, I do believe that we have one SOS left. So Alton Yanchis is realistically there to put pressure on, it's pressure on himself and it's pressure on Money Lebok. If we had brought any other youngster in, if we had brought a guy in that everyone knows is not going to the World Cup, that doesn't create that disruption and put the pressure on people and players like a realistic threat does. So Alton Yanchis is there and he's proving himself and he is in a straight out fight to go to the World Cup as second choice 10. He's got the experience. He's been in that environment before. It's all copy and paste. Great stuff. Then Manny Lubbock's there. Realistic chance of going to the World Cup. Lacking a little bit of experience, but he's there to have Alton Yanchi's put pressure on him, but Alton is also there to guide Manny Lebok because they're all in the same team. And you don't like hate on people in your same team most of the time. Anyway, I think it's a great, great move. It's real realistic pressure by a player in the squad. So yeah, I, uh, I think it's a great call and let's see how it all unfolds. But I think it's the, the best choice we could have made. Yeah, I think we uh, are all in agreement to that at Rugby Bits um, headquarters. But now today we're going to talk about and move our focus to the southern parts of the world, to looking at how our Pacific brothers and sisters are doing. Well, mostly the brothers, I guess, because we talk about men's rugby. And we're going to start with looking at the Super Rugby semifinals. So, Cooks, to bring you in here, I, I remember that we said that basically don't hold your breath about the Blues um, doing anything in the in the in the semi-final well, in, in the knockouts for the for the super rugby. I don't think we expected them to be beaten 52 points to 15 though. No, we didn't. I think they just basically just ramped up all the disappointment they've had for their fans and, and like they're gonna give them all those they're gonna give them 10 years of the disappointment all in one game. It's like it's, every time they play the Crusaders, <laughs> they just fall apart. And on the weekend, like they just that you they were diabolical. I mean that's like that's the, the, the those 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 dark 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 blues days that we saw on Saturday. I mean, 
I, I must say for, for the for, for the for the for the Blues, one thing I will say is since the the the, the playoffs when I mean, the Crusaders have shifted a proper game, I mean, the Drua obviously felt they were last weekend on the Blue, the Blues were next. But I mean, flip and all that, I I don't know what that Blues performance was. I mean, cheapest to to, to 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 get fifty in the semi final. I mean, is 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 oh, it's, it's it's woeful. Yeah, not only getting fifty points in a in a in a semi final, which is ridiculous, and six tries conceded as well. But Sean, we'll get to talking about the All Black squad um, in a few moments. But she's apart from maybe Dalton Papali, I think any other New Zealand or New Zealand or All Black adjacent player in that um, in that Blues team did themselves no favors on on, on Friday. Crazy, I've. I expected, well, most people expected the Crusaders to win. I, I, well, it's not the result. It's, 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 it's the how, like they rolled over, they rolled over and they, and they just got decimated. It was, yeah. Oh man. I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I'm a big fan of Bryce Heem. I, I, I really like him. I thought uh, he would have, um, well, it's really hard when you're taking, when you're getting peppered like that. But the the one thing that you are guaranteed of against the Crusaders, if if in a playoff game, and unfortunately when they play you in a playoff game, it's generally too late to adjust things. You're gonna have to just uh, take notes and try and get it done next year. But they will expose your weakest, um, and that whether it's a, a system or a player, they will expose them or it, and uh, and they will destroy you and. It came, it was front and center. It was glaringly obvious where the Blues were struggling. And then the Crusaders, the Blues never, they were, they were sort of knocked out the park. They were seeing stars. They never recovered. Like they just sat there and became a punching bag. And the one thing about New Zealand rugby is um, if you give them an opportunity to be ruthless, the chances of them being ruthless and destroying you are very, very, very good. They are a sort of team or a country of teams that you are guaranteed to take 50 points if you play shit rugby. And that the the Blues did in this case. Cooks, I know you are a, uh, I think, a, 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 an original shareholder in, in the Braden Enor um, club. And I think you are very happy that, the, that his stocks are, are going up at the moment. Like he had a great game. I mean, yeah. Pretty much all the Crusaders did, but Eno definitely put his hand up for New Zealand selection. Lester Fainganuku was really good um, himself on the wing and outplayed his um, teammates or yeah, well future teammates in the All Blacks as well. Will Jordan was great, but yeah, let's focus on Brendan Eno. He was great on Saturday, on Friday. Yeah, he was fantastic. I think he's been. I, 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 you're right. I mean. I mean, I, I bought my, my my shares in Brady quite early, and I think I remember. I think it was probably twenty twenty. He, he had probably his big break three at thirteen, and obviously could he just moved to twelve, and then he had that horrific knee injury in that North South game, and then sort of kept getting injured, and it's, it's he never he never got he never ever got back to his best. And I think it's probably his, his, that was his best game since I've probably since since twenty twenty where. I, th- I thought it was fantastic again. I mean, and like you said, the, 
it's like his pace also is a big factor. He defends well, and I thought on the weekend linked up very well with very well with the Ovis Mwang and there's the backs and, and, and his outside backs. And yeah, obviously I played Rico. I think um and him and Rico are, are like are, are probably similar um, similar thirteens in terms of I mean Brendan you know is a is a wing sort of turn. He, he was winning the move there into thirteen also p- quick pace. But I think I think with um with Eno, I think he just sort of maybe the the, the, the Blues didn't do much besides run to check good you twenty five times. So he made twenty five tackles. So that's all the Blues did on the weekend. So at least they got one thing right. But I just think with Eno, I think yeah, he definitely did step up to the plate, and it's going to be interesting now to see if he, if he can kick on from there. I think obviously like I, I I am opening the door up here for Sean because I know you have a lot to say about Rico's performance. But yeah, I mean the All Blacks do have a lot of questions to answer in that. 13 department and um obviously when you go into the squad it's something that is worth discussing because i think yeah one one thirteen definitely put their or the two thirties that put their hand up potential term i mean angelina brown can play 13 as well and brandon Eno had a good game and i think and for example like let's find nuku had a great, a great game mark tillier decided to to wait till the semi-final to, to arguably have his worst game in two years so yeah it's interesting that yeah like now on the other side Eno has a great game Less is a good game. So now, yeah, decisions, decisions, decisions for the all black coaches. But I mean, like, but like, like, you know, Sean, I think you're the perfect person to ask. I think, in, I mean, I think Rico and Talia and had the opposite games to what Eno and Fanganuku had in the weekend. Definitely. I, I tell you, Lester Fanganuku, I, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but he plays rugby like his contract is signed, but every single time he has a good game, his contract, like, gets bigger but like five percent <laughs> that's ridiculous he secured his he secured his his deal to toulon and uh he just keeps going higher and higher i i will be very interested I, i'd like to see uh nzru buy him out of that uh that top 14 move and try and get him to stay but you know that, that, that that's not their game on Goodhue, and i'm i'm speaking this in jared's voice just in his absence but Good who, like you said, made 25 tackles. <laughs> he only missed two. He was a machine. 93% tackle rate. But a while ago, I spoke about like centers making big tackles in big games. And I always referred to Juan de Jong in a Wasps game where at 13, he, he made like 21 tackles. It's un, you don't, it just doesn't happen. Since that, what, two, three seasons ago, I've seen it once. And then this, this is massive. 25 tackles at 12. And, I mean, it's clear that that's where they were targeting. They were like, cool, here's the weakest link. Screw the All Black and, and the World Cup hopes, but that's who we're running at. Um, yeah, interestingly enough, for 12 games he's played in the season, he's made a 91% tackle completion. So he's, he's gold on defense, Jack Goodhue. And uh, I think he should play 12. I know the, what, what I do like is that us as a group are disagree on this a little bit. Because I know Tyler that you prefer Goodhue at thirteen, and I think he's a better better twelve. So, um, but yeah. So just to go back to to your comment, Cooks, like it would be horrible for me to jump on a man while he's down. So I've I've said what I've I've said, and I I think what has happened is it was exposed. The only good thing about it being exposed in a Super Rugby semi final of a World Cup here is there's plenty of time then for them to fix whatever they need to fix. Having said that, um, Rico Iwani, it's not his first game at 13. 
I think there are better 13s. I wouldn't even go as far as saying Enol's an all-black 13, um, it, but he has been selected. I think he's a, I think he's a great 13 if he's outside Goodhue. So I don't think he's going to replicate that form with another 12. So, um, so there's, there's the problem there for me. And, and I'm saying this with a smile on my face because I'm just happy if the All Blacks aren't working, you know, <laughs> like, I don't really, yeah, that's, that's horrible. Um, anyway, so it's interesting. I'm interested to see what they do, um, in the midfield. Um, the All Blacks haven't picked Goodhue. They've picked Anton Leonard Brown. They've got NON. Um, and Rico Yuani's there. So, yeah. By the looks to me, I think they're obviously going to play Barrett more 12. Um, and then I would rather have Anton Leonard Brown at 13. But the thing is, is most people will only see the stuff that Rico Yuani does on attack because he is deadly on attack. Like, I've never, ever denied his attacking ability. He is ridiculously fast. Um, but yeah, there's other parts to the 13 game. No one ever talks about your 13. The first thing they talk about, they don't talk about your attacking flair. They actually talk about your, you, the defensive general. So, um, it's going to be a very interesting gap that they're going to have to fill. Yeah. And look, like Sean said, I think there's a bit of, yeah, alternate views on this and, 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 and even on this, um, pod, um, I think the big issue with the All Blacks is they're kind of stuck with, you know, the team that kind of got back into form last year. And that team has Rico at 13, Clark at 11, and mostly, well, Jordan was injured, so that Talay at 14. Yeah. Um, but probably Jordan comes back into that. And had Johnny Barrett playing 12 with Bowden at 15. So... Now, potentially, maybe we can get into it now, is if we pick a new, or if we pick an All Blacks first choice um, backline, let's just stick with the backline because the forwards have their own problems. <laughs> do, do Jordy Barrett, Jordy Barrett at 12, Rico at 13, Clark at 11, Talay at 14, and um, Bowden Barrett at 15, do all those people stay in those positions if you're picking a backline now? I don't think so. I think... No. At least half of them, if not all of them, are going to be moved by people that want to create their own perfect backline. And that, even in, if you give it, if you given the options in your in your squad and the squad chosen, at least ALB has to come in at thirteen. At least Jordan has to come in either at fourteen or fifteen. Probably Damian McKenzie, if Jordan's at fourteen, he'll come at fifteen instead of Bowden, who's not in the greatest form right now. And then that's already three changes to your outside backs. And that's, I think that's where New Zealand's in some, is in a lot of danger now. Like they need to decide on whoever's their backline, whoever's their 23. More than any team, probably except for Australia, they need to pretty much play the same 23 for the next six matches up until the World Cup. They shouldn't rotate and um, experiment and all that sort of stuff. It should be, okay, we have decided now. Jordy, you're going to be with Anton Leonard-Brown or Braden Eno or Rico Yuani. You guys stay together, sleep in the same room, build chemistry. Nine and ten, it's going to be Richie and Aaron Smith. You guys have to build chemistry. Back three, you guys must play, um, you know, Call of Duty together, whatever the case is, just build chemistry because there's going to be so many changes to people. 
so many people are, are proposing changes to the All Blacks first team that they either have a cho- choice to either stick with the team that they had last year or go in or try to make the changes and make the changes now. The worst thing the All Blacks could do is this team against Argentina and then five changes for the team for the Springboks and then five changes for the team against the Wallabies. Like, they can't do that. They need to just stick to whoever they've chosen and that must be the team for the next few weeks. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. like Sean said, it's, it's, it's great news for everyone else when the All Blacks are, are floundering a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know how they fix all of these things because it's either they choose continuity and then they're going to be playing people pretty much not in their best positions or they do try to pick maybe the best positions or best combinations and then they have to make sure that those people get chemistry and combinations going as soon as possible. Sean? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's really, like, if you, so Martelli is injured. So he he would have started on the left wing for me. I think he would have got one one more shot, d- despite what happened on the weekend, um, because he's really smashing it to pieces. So the left wing is open for me. So that's between Sean Stevenson and Lester Feingonuka. I know Caleb Clark's there, but I would probably, probably, I think Sean Stevenson won't debut on left wing, but probably Feingonuka on the left. But the, the issue for me is the right wing. And, and Cooks, I'm interested, interested when I'm done. Yeah, your man made the squad at eh? Dallas. So you must be stoked. Anyway, um, the, <laughs> the thing is, I agree. I think it's Aaron Smith. Um, Richie Moanga. Okay. They're probably, because they are struggling a little bit with the back three, you probably find for one of the first tests, they'll have Geordie at 15. But if not, you're going to have Geordie at 12, and then you're probably they'll stick with Rico at 13. I, I personally wouldn't. But the right wing's an issue for me. Um, so are they going to move Wall Jordan? They'll probably, in fact, they almost certainly will move Wall Jordan there, and then that leaves 15 open, which is either going to be between Bowden Barrett and um and Damian McKenzie and McKenzie would probably get that nod now um but yeah so th- that's the interesting thing for me is because they've got a little bit of a problem in the back three is are they going to then bolt and like seal up a hole and put Jordy Barrett back there and then have McKenzie on the bench um and Barrett on the bench or will they um or will they say listen we really need to work with Barrett Jordy at 12 and therefore he stays because they they put Jordy Barrett at fifteen, they could easily um, fix the the midfield, and then they've got um, extra guys uh, in uh, on the wings to to pick from. So it's going to be an interesting little balancing act. But it just doesn't look the the backline doesn't look balanced enough for me. But one thing I'm going to say, sorry, Cooks, before you jump in, is Sean Stevenson is going to get a chance in the rugby championship to absolutely set international rugby world on fire, and then they're going to drop him. Can't believe it. Yeah, you are right, Sean. <laughs> the whole black backline is such a it's so complex because all the different options they have completely changes the, the dynamic of the backline. So if you go yeah. with a Geordie at Barrett at 12, yeah. and let's say for example, you have Bowden Barrett at 15, it's a, it's a different backline, they play differently. Or as if you have Jordy Barrett at 15, then you then you move, say, uh Angela Brown at 12. It's like again, it's a completely different backline. There's no there's no synergy. There's no like in that squad, which I think that's the part that that hurts them the most. Is it's they're not going from like let's say if you if you have Adrian Brown, there's a player just like him, 
to come in, but maybe not as good. And now they've thrown a, like Dennis McLeod in the mix, who's a big carrying, big number twelve. And you're like, so now what? Now what does this mean now? Like, so like, so you've got like four different options at twelve. You've got six games. How are you gonna pick each sort of each person and sort of put them in? Whereas like for me, I was like someone like Alex Nankerville, for example, fits in better in that mold because it's someone who can play twelve or thirteen, adds a bit more balance. He's sort of in between where where I want to sort of I mean so where someone's really bad if you move at twelve, you do get someone who go to the ball, um, can carry, I mean, has got a nice boot, and I think he has to play twelve. I think the first thing the All Blacks got to do is sort of the the, the Jordy Barrett conundrum. Sit him down and say, "You playing twelve this international season? You're not playing fifteen. You're not playing on the wing. You playing twelve, and you're gonna stay there, and then from there figure out okay." 12 is sorted. Now let's figure out who's going to play fullback. I think obviously Damien Kenz's form has thrown a spanner in the works because I still think it's time for the All Blacks to either they go with Richie Mongo or Bowden Barrett at 10 and one of them is going to be on the bench. And I, I don't know why, like, I think Foster is, Ian Foster still tries to put all the good players in. There's nothing wrong with having a great bench. Imagine having a bench of Bowden Barrett and Richie Mwanga coming off the second half. That's so dangerous. And you could and you could be in a situation where you could have Burton Barrett or Richie Mong on the bench with Dan McKenzie. There's no team in world rugby that would want to face that coming off the bench. So I think that's a decision they must make is they've got to find some sort of balance. Because at the moment now, the backline squad, it just looks like I don't know whether it's coming or going. But like in saying that, like, I just I don't want to play them in a quarterfinal. Like I don't I, I just I can see them. We play them three times. I can see them beating us three times. Like I think we beat them four, three times. I can see them winning two out of three of those games. Like that's what is doing my head in. And I'll see them. I'll see them. Like the squad is so frustrating, but they have enough good players. They have enough good players where I feel like, for example, they can lose to a France and just bullshit their way to a World Cup final. Just find <laughs> ways. Like, like just find like like you watch them sometimes. Like there's so much going wrong. Flip and hell, they can string together thirty points, and just and just hold teams out. That's that. Uh, uh, but 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 again, I just think you just can't. They can't get away with being so imbalanced until. And what scares me, and I think with Joe Schmidt there, the time they'll have, I think he'll give them a bit more of an identity and a bit more of a structure in terms of who to play where and where to play where. I just feel like if they decide on, Bottom Barrow or, or to start or more, or Richard to start. They're gonna go. Will, either they're moving Will Jordan to because I, I would love to see Will Jordan at fifteen, and then having someone like if you have Will Jordan at fifteen, someone like Sean Stevenson is a great fourteen to have. Oh. Height, has played fullback as well, so you're sort of negating Will Jordan's sort of. He may he's not the greatest. He's not the greatest on the high ball. He can get a bit better, but you've got someone like Sean Stevenson as cover, and, and and I mean obviously with Dan McKenzie, you can you can still have someone like Will Jordan at 14, which is just as dangerous. But I just think, for example, Kayla Clark on, we, we can't do that again. Like, sorry. Like, we, we, I don't know what, whether he can't be the onset level, but I, I like the lack of, of Leicester. I think he's been good, but yeah, I think that's the always got to sort of the balance and just the squad just needs to make sense because at the moment, it doesn't make sense. Like, you can't be like, yeah, like I can't be like, one day I'm vegan, but I also have chocolate in my nose. But also I've got milk here, but then but then there's meat here as well. But but 
on Thursday I'm going to be like no like like there's got, there's got to be some sort of structure like like with the Springboks you know what type of flyer they want what type of scum off their league you know that with the All Blacks you don't know it's, it's like are you good are you good to rugby okay cool you in the mix and we'll figure it out as we go so at least we've signed up the the name of this podcast the vegan All Blacks done cool thank you <laughs> moving on <laughs> Yeah, these are the Sunday afternoon touch rugby all blacks because it's just it's just ballers and hoopers. Cooks, I mean, I think you'd appreciate this reference. I mean, the Phoenix Suns have just signed Bradley Beal, who's pretty much like a scorer, and they added him to a team with Devin Book and, and Kevin Durant, who are just all scorers. And this is just gonna be basically hoopers only type of um play from the all blacks as well. Just it seems like Air Foster's just like okay. He's really good, and he's also really good. So they can just, like, you know, work it out, you know? Like, Bowden and, and Richie can work out being the same team together. Uh, Rico and Caleb Clark can work out being the same team together. Like, what's scary for the All Blacks is, at the moment, the last test match they played, the 13, 11, and 14 that they had was Rico, Caleb, and Talea. Ireland is going to absolutely cook that as an outside back combination because, yeah, as, as we said earlier, Crusaders are the one team that will focus and like expose a weakness. Ireland is the second team. You know, also can expose a weakness, France. But <laughs> unfortunately for us, one team that seems to just get confused and, I don't know, almost overwhelmed by what the All Blacks do is the Springboks because and I guess Australia, because we just see all of these like ballers and what they're doing on the field. And we just are like, why are you guys not playing with structure? And I think that's when we just like malfunction and then we just lose to them, like even if they don't play well. So yeah, it might be good news for them against the Springboks, but any other good team is just going to expose them. So I don't know what the All Blacks do because yeah, like they need, yeah, like I say, they need to pick a, 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 a team and stick to it. Do you guys want to maybe try to pick a team together very quickly? An let's, all black team. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah quick. Good. Let's do a let's do a fifteen. Let's see. I was say, if you guys are Dallas, if, if you guys are Dallas McLeod to start, I'm leaving this podcast for for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just disappointed. Fergus was... Burke is not here. Oh, Dallas and Fergus both starting. <laughs> <I'm a long-term laughs> with the last time I was international rugby, I'm focused all my attention on football. So basically what you're saying is I, 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 after you've made up with Jared, now, now you're going to start a fight with someone else and then I'm going to get kicked out. Yeah, is that yeah, how it's going to be? With Ian Fonten, <laughs> Andrew Mertens and all the All Black selection, one by one. <laughs> one by one. Right, the line has okay. been drawn. Okay, so DeGroot is probably number one. Any arguments there? No. Nah. Yeah. Okay, Takiyaho is number two. I'm not even going to allow arguments for that. I, I would go Cody it. Taylor. I'd go Cody Taylor. And Takiyaho on the bench? Yes. I, I don't mm. want Dan Coles anywhere near an All Blacks. I don't like him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, in, yeah, you know. But uh, Cody Taylor, after, after the season he had last year where he was playing flipping reserve, reserve All Boys rugby, he, he's come back and he's very quietly doing his job. And going unseen, and that scares me a little bit. So you're, yeah, I would start Cody Taylor. But anyway, but the thing is, Sean, I, I, I see a thing because 
I think Takayo is probably a better impact player than Cody Taylor. So you almost like you, you, you like I never like seem like if 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 Cody Taylor's in the squad for me, he's got to sort of start. Then Takayo comes to the bench. But I do everything Takayo is been the better hooker, and I think it is time for him to be playing fifth. 60 to 65 minutes of test rugby. Yeah, I would definitely also vote for him because he, I mean, in that Chiefs game, we'll talk about it in a bit, but was he fantastic. was absolutely brilliant in that game. I think he was the best player on the field. Oh, he was brilliant. Those carries. Oh, geez. No, he was Jeez. unbelievable to watch. Yeah, no, he's just, and I think he's probably the one, I mean, I guess Adi as well, but they don't have too many, like, big forward ball carriers anymore for some reason. So yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd probably also make, make him starting, but yeah, Cody Taylor, I think you're right, Sean, he's been great. So tight end prop, we have as options, Nepalau Lala, Fletcher Newell, um, Cyril Lomax, and um, new cap Tamati Williams. Uh, Sean? Huge human being, huge human being that. I would, um, whew. I wouldn't be surprised if they give Williams a little debut start, but yeah, I actually don't know. To be fair, this isn't my area of expertise, but I go with Nipo Laulala. Yeah, I was for me it was between Nipo or Lomax, but I think I'll also go Nipo Laulala as well. Oh, when I have a, okay. when I have when I have a forward agreeing with me, then I'm definitely I know all this <laughs> time and effort I've been putting in has been paying off. Thanks, God. To be fair, I'm only a, I'm only a four when it comes to scrums and lineups. So the rest of the time, I let that other seven dogs deal with the rest, racking and all that, <laughs> all that nonsense. Yeah, I I'm happy with that. Um, Lomax on the bench for tight head. I'd love to see Tamati Williams as because he can play both sides. So mm. you put him on the bench for loose head then. That'll be great. He's massive. I saw I saw no, someone saying today he'll be the heaviest All Black ever. <laughs> Imagine that as a stat. Jeez. But he's the thing is, is he's just he's not he's not lumpy, but he's he's big, mm. he's tall, and he, there's a lot of human there. That, it's like Will Skelton big. No, and he's had a good, he's had a good couple of years. So I'm glad he's actually been able to. Mm. And he has lost a bit of weight. He's sort of got his conditioning. I mean, I know Scott Robertson's spoken about his conditioning has had to sort of got better in has, and and now you can see the difference. Now he gets finally called up to the All Black squad. Ah, oh, and that's even before his coach is the All Blacks coach. So things are looking good for him in the future. Razor make his mark already. You know it, you know okay. it. Okay, locks, we, I don't think there's too much to debate here. Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock when he's come back fit. Loose forwards, let's, let's do the Royal Rumble. So here are the options. Scott Barrett and Tupavai as possible Peter Steph um, impersonators. You've got um, Shannon Frizzell, um, Summer Penny for now, also had a great game on Saturday. I really like him as a player. And Luke Jacobson as um, other six, eight um, options. And then you've got Sam Kane, Dalton Papali, and Adi Sevilla. So Sevilla's playing in either seven or eight. It's now about the other two positions. Let's ignore that Sam Kane is the captain. Uh, Cooks, what, what, what would you do? Who, who's coming with Adi? I think for me it's fairly simple. Um, I I would shift Luke Jacobson to six, uh, Sam Kane seven, Audi at eight. I think Luke Jacobson's has sort of he's stepped up a lot this season. I thought oh, he's exceptional on the weekend as well. And um, I mean most of the Chiefs defended very well, but he was delivering hits 
And um, I just think, yeah, it's a decent lineup option as well with Luke Jacobson. I think the RD, Luke Jacobson, and and um, Luke, and uh, obviously Sam Kane is a bit smaller, but I, I think it's the best and most balanced one they have. I just feel like the, with Sam, with, with, when, they, when they do put uh, Scott Barrett there, I, I, just, I, just, I just think they lose a little bit of, they're not as dynamic, and I think they lose it, and, and they sort of try and become too sort of physical. And they sort of and, and they lose something in the loose. I think with Luke Jacobson, they 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 can get the best of they can get the best of both worlds, and they do have phenomenal options in Sam Whitelock and and Brody in the lineout time. So yeah, for me it's it's quite easy in Luke Jacobson. Even if you go maybe already at six or but but they'll be they'll be my three. Sure. I I'm very much on the you've swung me. I will say that I'm very much on the Scott Barrett must start bandwagon. Um, I will support you there because I, so he either starts at four, he starts at blindside. I, I think, I think there's something about Scott Barrett and what he brings to that squad is more than what his play is being, uh, uh, I think with, with his leadership and all that sort of jazz. So I'm very torn the way that you've explained that though cooks and how you have laid it down is uh, I, I'll buy into that. Uh, I, I'm sold, but I'm struggling because I want Scott Barrett to start. So the issue is, is Brody and Sam in your locks are, are Brody and Sam, they are a four and a five. When you have Barrett on the bench, you have a four or a five or a blindside flank. So that could potentially count against him. Barrett's most certainly going to be in the match day 23 all the way through for the rest of the year, fitness um, aside. So, yeah, I, I would like to see Barrett start. Um, but, yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I cannot tactically disagree with you. I'm an emotional, I'll disagree with you emotionally because I, I think there's more to Barrett. But you've made such a great point, though. Yeah, for me, though, I think the best loose trio is. Barrett, um, Barrett, Pap- or Barrett Kane and Adi, and then Papa Lee off the bench. But yeah, I think I'm I'm being outvoted here. So it was Jake, as I think Cook said, Jacobson, Adi, and Sam Kane. Sam Kane also had a really really good game on Saturday. Sam Kane so, has been good for almost this whole yes. season. He's a, a whole season without injury, which is a yes, big factor. And 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 also it's a game which I'm not a massive fan of when it comes to All Blacks. Is these there's a lot of their important players that are just going about their work, just doing their stuff, staying out of like they're just keeping their head slightly below water, but just pummeling through. And then at the end of it, you rewatch the game and you're like, yo, he's actually no, he's just very quietly banging himself back into form. Um, but the minute they the minute they announce him starting for the All Blacks, all the 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 knives come out, just from the New Zealand media alone. So anyway, interesting to see. But he he will start and he will be their captain. I, I think it's pretty much a given. And then uh, if those three are chosen, Scott is probably our reserve lock. Our bench um, loose forward Dalton Papali. Yeah, I probably got Dalton. Yeah, I think I think he's it's always nice to have a second feature on the bench. I just feel Dalton has not 
I know you're it, it, it decent in, in the year to a loss. You probably his bases looks, but it just hasn't sort of been as converted that his, his domestic form into into international rugby. But I, I would definitely give him another run on the bench. But I think it's I think is I do like the the, the look of Vida on the bench. But obviously, if you have Scott Barrett there, you, you do the cover for, for four and six. But um, yeah, I think probably Dalton by thread at the moment for me is, is my bench forward. He. Yeah. And for me as well, it's by ball here. Um, he has, though, been playing, again, probably a little bit better this season. So on the back of that and the way everything's sort of panning out when we're picking our side, probably not the worst shot. Yeah. I still think it should be Hoskins or 2-2, but let's not stick on that. Agenda's okay, number agenda. nine. Oh, no, we're picking the All Blacks team, not the All Blacks <laughs> Not the All Blacks 15 team to take on Japan. Oh, they're, they're playing <laughs> Japan. That's for our next pod, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a different podcast. I am melting. So Tutu's in that team. Goodhue's in that team. Nankivel's in that team. Like, yeah, I think I have to support those that team because that has all the ballers in it. Um, not this vegan All Blacks team like Cooks called it. Um <laughs> I think the only debate for number nine is, well, the only debate for number nine is number 21. So has Cam Roygaard done enough to put him at 21 over Christie? I'm so surprised that Weber isn't there. Yeah, me too. Because uh, for, me, for me, Weber would have been my 21. But now it's Christie and Roygaard to sort of throw. I think Christie's probably still done enough, but I'd love to see Roygaard get in the mix. I think, yeah, it's something different. All Blacks name squads that they most likely, your, your new caps are very, very, you've got a massive chance of, of making, a, of getting capped. Like they don't name squads too much where guys don't get a look in. Um, they also probably out of everyone manage their, um, their A side, like the All Black 15 side, probably a little bit better. So it could really have been a case of whether you're in the mix, but we need you to go down here to do this for these sorts of reasons. And we want to give Cam Roygaard a chance. The thing is, is Cam Roygaard has been smashing it out of the park. So I, I reckon he debuts in round one of the rugby championship as player 21. Okay. Yeah, I can get down with that. Yeah, I haven't been the most impressed with Christie's season. I, I'm think I think he's also lucky um, to not make it. Um, he's lucky to make it ahead of Weber, as as we said. And yeah, yeah I'm still a big Falafa Katava fan. So um, I'm I'm just gonna say yeah. we're lucky Jared's not on here because Jared and I had massive massive arguments last year because I kept telling him Finley Christie will come good. He's 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 good. He's very very good. Um, and he did come good last year, but he's he's oh. I'm a I'm a fan. As a nine, what he does, I think, is excellent. And um, you know, when you're comparing him to Aaron Smith, it's really hard. Like Aaron Smith is just incredible. Finley Christie's pretty close. Brad Weber's been in the mix. All of a sudden, there's someone that's not going to the World Cup for the All Blacks that would probably make the squad of most other most other sides. Mm. Quite something. Welcome to the land of the long white cloud. Number 10, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have to now admit defeat with my Bowdoin Barrett's agenda. It seems like Richie Monga has been better performing, had a really good end of season for the All Blacks. It's, it's his jersey now, right, Cooks? 
Yeah, I think it's his jersey now. I think you, know, you said, like, I think he had good championship and and end of the year and obviously leading to another good Super Rugby season where you sort of gotten better as the weeks have have gone. Oh, he was good on, on Friday night. Jeepers, he was... Like, with the riches, he's still got that, obviously, that ability to turn it on whenever he needs to create some magic. Um, so, yeah, I think the 10 jerseys is his at the moment, which is hard for me to... Because I always, cause I always think if the Orbex have going to stick choose between him and Rich, I was going to go Bowden, but it's it's hard to take the jersey from, from Richie Moanga at the moment. Um, Sean, are you now also on the Richie Moanga train? Yeah. I have no problem with that. Um... I I do think I don't think Barrett, Bowden Barrett is in that bad a form um, that he'll be excluded from the match day twenty three. But I think he, his form and what has been happening has has showed that there it'll be e- an easier conversation to put him on the bench. And I won't lie, imagine struggling with the idea that you feel bad putting Bowden Barrett on the bench. And like you mentioned earlier <laughs> on Cooks, like it's almost. The, the problem with the All Blacks is, is currently they almost feel like they have to put everyone on the field when they need to be forced into a situation going, listen, yeah, you can, you can manufacture a plan where you can bring your, your All Black bomb squad on and, and, do your, and do your thing. So I think Barrett's on the bench, but it might be closer than we are thinking. However, Richemonga starts at 10 for me, but I think that when I'm talking about the closeness in terms of starting, I think the 15 is going to be the interest, interesting one. And it all depends on what we're picking in the midfield. But yes, short answer, Moanga at 10. I mean, Jared, I mean, Sean, you know, I went through everyone. Nice. Sean, <laughs> let, me, let me let you have first pick in the midfield. Oh, that's horrible, man. So uh, are we going <laughs> what what we want or what we need? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> what, do we, what do we need? Or yeah. What they need at least. Oh, what they need. Okay, so let's pretend I'm a Kiwi. So I would, I would definitely give Jordy Barrett to start at 12 for a couple of games. I don't think that that experiment is done. And let's be honest here, they love extending a midfield experiment. <coughs> Freako. <coughs> so um, Jared, uh, Jordy uh, probably starts at 12 for me, but I, I would most certainly have um, Anton Leonard Brown outside him. Definitely. Um, but having said that, I don't think that they're going to drop Rico at 13. Um, however, Rico, imagine having Bowden, Barrett, and Rico Yuani on the bench. Like they cover the entire back line comfortably. So maybe not 12 as, as, as much, but everywhere else is comfortably sorted, you know? Um, when you have Anton Leonard Brown at 13, then your 12 is covered anyway. So. Jordy Barrett's at 12 for me, and the 13 is debatable. I'd prefer ALB, but it's going to be Rico. Okay, so Jordy and ALB, Cooks? Yeah, I think Sean hit the nail on the head as mine as well. I remember, Sean, remember we had the chat about the about Richie Moore, I mean, um, Rico Yohan and ALB and Jack Goodyear, and I said to you, my only issue at the moment with ALB and Goodyear was them not playing enough games, and obviously, like, ALB has just got back from, from injury. Watching ALB on Saturday, I was like, yeah, that's, that's okay. So that's why he has to start for the All Blacks. Like, as you can see, he's, he's fully fit now, back at his best. Oh, he was also very, I mean, like, most of the cheese were good, but Adrian Brown was outstanding again. And then you're sort of going, like, yeah, if he's playing that well, he's probably the best center in New Zealand. 
it's just a pity of he, he hasn't been able to stay fit. But I think Antonio Brown at 13 and Jody Barrett at 12 is the best combination. That's a combination that will give me sleep and sleepless nights. It's like, because they cover all the bases, can carry, can defend. There's an extra, there's an extra playmaker in Jordy Barrett. I think because I think Jordy Barrett's a fantastic rugby player. There's Jordy Barrett's a great boot, but Edgelera Brown just does it like Mr. Fix It. Whatever you need. And you remember he came through as a 13 that move, ended up moving to 12 in, in mm-hmm. 2019. So so I think, yeah, that that would be my starting center pairing as LB and uh, or Jordy Barrett and ALB. So, you know, on Twitter, they do that whole hear me out thing. And I need cooks to not um, to log to, off to, when Bella, I say this. Bella, please. <laughs> Bella, please. Okay, cooks, I'm listening. hear me out, please. Oh, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. ALB at 13. Don't say it. Dallas McLeod at 12. Can Dennis McLeod? I've seen Cooks is open. Can, can Dennis like, like start for his for his like provincial side first before we just like, like skips over everybody? He's he's the big Jean de Villiers playing at the what? wing. You put him in the midfield. To be fair, he has had a good season. Let me not, let me not hate on old Dallas. He's been solid in the wing and, and whatever the Crusaders need him. Sean, can I can I just can I just yes. finish very quickly with the no. cloud point? Look, my thing with the All Blacks is I need Jordy Barrett at fifteen because he was amazing at fifteen. That was actually the place that he was causing the most havoc in. I yeah. think he's probably one of the world's best fifteens, and I think that if you play, I don't really like Anton Leonard Brown at twelve. I think he's a better thirteen than twelve because he connects. Everyone so well, both. But you gotta make up your mind. Team. Everyone you're picking is at thirteen. You want Goodhue at thirteen. You want ALB at thirteen. Well, Goodhue can't be at thirteen because Goodhue can't be at thirteen because he's playing for the actual All Black team. Um, so <laughs> ALB at thirteen, Dallas McLeod at twelve. If if we don't like Dallas, that's fine. Then put ALB at twelve. Put Braden Enwa at thirteen. And you must know that I'm like fighting in a demons here because I caught Brady in Auckland, Yon Sardi, like literally last year. And I just saw like a, a, a tweet, Twitter exchange between me and Cooks about that because Cooks was defending his boy. And yeah, I've been completely turned now. So ALB, he can sort of do the good Hugh stuff of making Eno look good. And then you can play him at 13. But I need Jordy to be at 15. I, I know that's not the best option that we have, but. We need to make it work like that. There's no ways. There's no ways. The only, there's no ways that Enel starts ahead of Rico at 13. There's only one person that will take the all-black 13 jumper away from Rico, and that's Anton Leonard Brown. So already your theory has gone to shit. <laughs> one thing, Cooks, you didn't, you didn't mention about the Geordie ALB midfield is they are massive. <laughs> They are huge humans. There's only one midfield bigger than them, and that's the Damien Delendi Lucanya um, and then possibly the 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 Dante Fuku. But there's no one else bigger. Like they're they're big, big humans, man. And um yeah, I tell you, uh, Tyler, that was a very interesting you literally threw that hand grenade in there. You were just like incoming. I'm just trying to present options here, guys. But okay, 
I've been outvoted. Jordi and ALB at, at, at the, in the midfield. Now, yeah, the back three. I think then that probably leads us to... Oh, actually, let's start with 15. Will Jordan or Damian McKenzie or Bowden Barrett at 15? Cooks. Oh, thank jeez. I, I get to have the high ball. <laughs> um, you know, I think I'm going to go Will Jordan at 15. Um, cause again, like Charlie said, for the theory of, of wanting to have, no, no, I can't. Cause then oh, it's so tough. No, I'm going to have this. Was, McKenzie I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. While, uh, when you mentioned earlier about there's so many options, it literally all lies around this 15 and who you pick. Cause that <laughs> affects everything. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're, it does because, like Tala said, I mean, like we all agreed. I think when Pro Twenty Twenty One, when Jordy moved to fullback, following like fullback is his best position, and he was he was amazing there for now. But now <laughs> for the panels, this team we him at twelve. But um, so we can't even pick him at fifteen. Yeah, exactly. So he I'll probably, go, I'll probably go McKenzie at fifteen because I want to have my my bench to be Barrett and Rico Yuani. Just some, uh, I feel like you have Barrett and McKenzie on the bench. Just, 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 it's just two similar players. Um, so and, and obviously in the wing cover is sort of uh, is sort of gets gets messed up. So I would have McKenzie at fifteen. I mean his form has been incredible, and to have the option of him as a second playmaker and and and, and a different type of playmaker in, at fifteen, and also Bowden. I mean Jordy Barrett is another sort of form of playmaker as well at at, at twelve. So. Yeah, there'll be my my attacking access of if I if I can have Moanga, Jordi, and David McKenzie as sort of my three playmakers and and decision makers. I think that's a good place to be. So I'll go David McKenzie. I'm going Burton Barrett. <laughs> oh, Cook, that not Cook. Tala, it's up to you, mate. Go with someone <laughs> different so we can really be in trouble here. <laughs> I really, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still stuck on Jordi Barrett. Put Dallas McLeod at 15. I'm sure he can do a oh, job. No, um, yes, I, man. I, 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 this wouldn't be a form pick, but I, I think I'd also, Sean, go with Bowden. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to cancel that. I actually don't know what to do, honestly. But I think it should be McKenzie at 15 and Jordan at 14. And then whichever one of the awesome wingers that like you can put, probably Leicester at 11. That's what I would do. Yeah, and that's my back Bowden, three as well. Yeah, Bowden can come in as a bench option because I'm still not convinced that Bowden and Richie play well together. But yeah, Bowden still has to be in the 23 for me, even if that means you have all three of your fly halves at the 23, because I still believe Bowden Barrett is the best kicker in, in New Zealand in terms of field kicking. And probably, yeah, I think only him and DuPont. He's, He's the best kicker, fast. I think, in the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, never mind all of the other stuff, but he's the person I want on the field to, to execute a tactical kicking plan. And I know mm. Ian Foster has not believed in a tactical kicking plan, but <laughs> that's what you need to do to win a World Cup. <laughs> and like, and like, but tell her, like, you're right. I think, oh, sorry, Sean. Because, um, no, like, man, you're right. Someone like, like Barrett is, is a, great, a great option to have off the bench in terms of, like you said, you, you can actually bring him on whenever you want and whatever role you need, whether you come in at fullback or also whether to come in at 
attaining sort of have a proper full-on tactical game. And, and I think obviously Will Jordan speaks for himself and Leicester, if I look, he's been the form wing. Because I just, I can't do the whole Caleb Klopp experience anymore because Caleb Klopp for me is like, let's say, like someone says to you, he reminds you of Julian Severe. It's like ordering, someone tells you Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Then you hire it and you actually find out it's, it's Sharknado. That's what Caleb Clark is. <laughs> Looks like Jaws. Oh, wow. Smells like Jaws, but it's actually Sharknado. That's what Caleb Clark is. You and open like, the DVD box and, and the wrong, the yeah, wrong DVDs inside. Yeah, it's not Jaws. It's not what I've um, signed up for. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like you watch him play, he makes like, an incredible line break. And then you're like, but then like, okay, you high ball. Like, and you're like, guys, like, what? Then like, look, can you, I'm cooks him. A guy who plays 13, hasn't played a wing, probably like under nine, goes and cooks him. So like, I just think the Kelly Clark thing has got a, it's got a, in uh, Shocknado can, can race now. So can I say very quickly, yes. Sean, Caleb Clark is an NFL running back. The perfect NFL running back. Oh, yeah. Give him the ball through the middle. He will break tackles. He will get meters and he'll get, well, touchdowns in that case or tries. Like, amazing at that. Make him do anything else, literally anything else. It's a mess. Like, yeah, I think it's actually offensive to, to compare him to Julian Sevilla. He's, he's like, um, who's that wing from the Stormers, the Fijian? Cyril Nakalavuki. He's literally that guy. <laughs> Horrible going backwards but amazing going forwards. I, yeah, I, I can't have Caleb Clark as my 11, but yeah, as I've said, and seeing how this team is shaping up, that's many changes from the last team that Ian Foster had against England. So <laughs> good luck to the New Zealanders. Sean? So we've settled for Will Jordan on the right and Lester Fangunuku on the left. Yeah, yeah I'm happy with, with that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I just, I just think maybe I might start Bowden, but... Uh... So I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. I, I think if they start Rico Iwani on the wing, everyone's going to be in trouble again. Do you think it's too late for them to move Ooh. him back to the wing? No, it's not, Sean. I mean, like, you're, you're right. I mean, I've, uh, he's played 13 so much, I actually forgot that he's actually an option at 11. <laughs> That'll probably would be the one that makes the most sense. Just put him at 11. Just like, but you know just how go. good his defense will be now? Mm. His no, defense now would be but, ridiculous. But Sean, you, 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 you're forgetting one very important, crucial thing: <laughs> the, the Howler curse. The Howler curse is going to be back in full effect. He just magically stopped going to defend or, or the blue now. His form is dipping while it's under four-year extension. Don't that Howler will make sure he stays at 13 until uh, until South France says swoops him up one day, or goes to Japan. The Howler curse is real. Dark <laughs> Howler will not allow. Doug Hollow will not allow him to move to, back to 11 when he, was, when he has, um, what you call it, Will Jordan and um, Dave McKenzie J- uh, and um, what you call it, um, Richie Mwanga and all those feeding him. Doug Hollow will not allow that to happen. And, you know, like, we, there's so many theories. Well, not so many theories. Your theory has got so much, uh, so many things pointing towards it. But the biggest one and the most important one is one of the All Blacks' best 11s in decades, Lester Fanganuku. <laughs> Is leaving before his season, his international career even really gets going. Because <laughs> you know, I was just about know, to know. say that's the way to get around the Howlett curse—to leave before it actually affects you. 
You're 100%. Because <laughs> wearing the number 11 jersey is the most cursed. Because you, you're 14, right? You're going to be a great 14 you just end up at fullback and you just score, just score less tries. It's, it's very simple. But 11, <laughs> you just... You just get to age 27 and you just forget how to play. You just forget how to play rugby. Like it just happens. Like one day Julian Sevilla couldn't catch a rugby ball anymore. Don't know when it started, but she just couldn't. Joro Kothoko played like 15 years in France, but after like 50 caps for the All Blacks, just went. He just became a stalwart in, in the top 14 because of Doug Howland. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we have. I don't think we've solved New Zealand's problems, but yeah, all the best to Ian Foster. We will send you some flowers. Okay, let's talk <laughs> about the other... I mean, that's all we can do at this stage. Let's talk about the other semifinal briefly. I mean, we've mentioned it here and there, but the Chiefs-Brumbies semifinal, I think, was absolutely epic. Sean, I'll start with you. I think just a great game of rugby, and the Chiefs showed the quality as to why they are the top seeds in the Super Rugby this year. Yeah. Incredible game. I uh, loved it. It was so, uh, it was weird. After that opening one um, where Crusaders just thumped um, the Blues, I was a little bit worried, but it turned out to be an epic, epic game. Test match intensity, um, so much riding on it. The Brumbies were going there to roll like 13 million years of, uh, of playoff losses by any Australian side and they failed, but it was close. It was a good game, and um, the Brumbies were basically in it the, the whole all the time, which was which is really what you want to see, you know. Yeah, and just some amazing performances. I think from some All Black and Wallaby hopeful, well, um, regulars. Takiaho, we talked about him. Brody Retallick had big moments. Sam Kane was amazing. Um, we talked about uh, Luke Jacobson as well. Damian McKenzie broke the whole game open at the end. And then in the Wallaby on the Brumby side, Caden Neville and Nick Frost were great. Rob Valentini is the one Australian that actually lifts his game when he plays uh, New Zealanders. Like he is amazing. Like I think we all joked about him being like a mini Audi Severe, but I think it's it's for real. Like he his post contact meters are right up there. Tell her Rob Valentini. Like it's so hard for he. I thought. He was as close to being the best player in the field, even though even though he was on the losing side. That's how good he was. I thought, and and for me, what, what impressed me most of the Brumbies. That's a flipping good Chiefs side, and the Brumbies to go there. And I think I think the big thing that hurt the Brumbies is like I think the Chiefs are fantastic defensively, but I mean I thought Lolosio didn't have his greatest game. I think Lolosio, it's a, it's tough when Jack Debrusini is starting ahead of you. It's very hard to make, to make an argument if you become to become a Wallaby again. Like, like I don't know. The thing is, I saw Jack Derisini starting. I was like, oh, Lotus, you're injured. No, he's on the bench. I was like, I, I don't know. Now, I don't know what's going on. But I just think, yeah, the Brumbies, I thought they played very well. Tom Hooper, the world's tallest blind, open side flanker, that he was good as well. Mm. But Tiz Valentini just kept coming around that corner and he kept carrying. And what I love the most about him, there's, there's several times we offloaded just before content and, and he created half breaks for guys coming through and like his awareness of knowing when to when to carry when to and when when to carry when not to obviously to pass it i'm sure eddie jones is probably smiling from ear to ear because he, he probably play eight for the for the wallabies but cheap because he's, he's probably the most important wallaby forward going now because he's 
from James Slipper. Like, how are we still playing so well at his age? It's actually, I mean, I thought he was very good as well. When he, when he, especially you can see mm. the scrum whenever when he came back on, he was very good. I was very, very impressed the Brumbies. And, I, and it was, a, it was a, a little, I saw glimpses there. I'm like, oh, let, me, let me not, let's not throw the Wallabies aside here because there's, there's enough there, especially the Brumbies side. And we know, like, for example, like, there's nothing the Brumbies side, the likes of like Lenny Katow, who, Lenny Katow probably watches world rugby and he's, he's the only person in the world that doesn't really look on your arm because every time he plays against him, he drops into shreds. So Lenny Katow probably like, he's, he's the only person who doesn't get the hype is Lenny Katow because he's like, every time he sees him, he basically grabs him apart. But, like, you, look, you look at the likes of Lenny Katow, but wait, guys, we, we have to talk about Tom Wright. What the hell was Tom Wright <laughs> on, on the Yo, 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 yo. Oh, my word. Okay, I understand the kick, at, but guys, how do you, your team defends for about five minutes to, to keep it 6 3? You, you hold the Chiefs up, and then you, instead of like blasting the ball down the field, you put together the, 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 the stupidest kick. I don't know what you're trying to do, like grab it out, and then like poor Brambies to defend for like four minutes again. Thank. I was like, I was like, oh, the Brambies definitely deserve to concede a trial for this mess that Tom Wright did. Well, and. Okay, as I understand it, he had to, he couldn't turn around, Sean, am I right? He couldn't turn around and kick it out in the dead ball because there would be a scrum, right? Yes. This, are you talking about that, um, the restart, the, the, the drop line dropout? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, has, it, has to touch, it has to touch the grass in the field of play. Yeah. It can't go okay. out in the so he, so he had He had to put it in play. What he tried to do was sneakily jab a little, uh, a little yeah. daisy cutter, um, and hopefully it would go out, and it would have been half time. And also, yeah, Narawa said no, hey, Sean. But give it to your ten, like the guy who kicks. Normally does drop kicks. Nick White did that last year. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Or just drop kick it as, as deep as you can. Make the Chiefs if they don't attack, make them attack you from fifty meters out, because. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, th- I think like we all will applaud it if it comes off. I think it's risky from a percentage point of view, but it's it's probably the right play if you can execute. Well, it's no doubt it's the right play if you can execute it. But um, I can't even remember who was out in the wing. Read him like a book. Read him like a book. Narawa. Narawa. Whoever made the tackle to start Narawa, I think he was cheap because it's one of those things as a forward like. The fours are probably like still huffing and puffing, and like, and they're their blink, they're like, guys, we, we now we're defending again. Like, what is going on? They probably, they probably, they probably only saw it today in the video session for the first time. Yeah. It was, it, that tackle was incredible. I, I remember watching it. I almost basically turned things off, like in my head. I thought we were done. I thought it was half time. Time to grab a cup of coffee. But um, they just defended so well. I mean, imagine, imagine the heat he got at half time. Imagine being a forward doing all that defense, anyone. And then you look up and boom, next wave coming back at you. So, yeah, it was, yeah. I'm bumping into him by mistake, in inverted commas. Like, there's <laughs> no chance that I wouldn't, well, like, do something to, to get back at him. No, and then there's still, there's still, the, there's also the world's worst forward pass when the ball gets kicked back and it basically passes to Muir. and he's running back to him. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? I was like, I was like what is going on with this man? man? Tom, Tom Wright has missed his calling. He needed to be in that 
Toulouse back three with Madar, um, Huger, and um, Cedric Amons, like that chaos back three that they had a few years back where it's either they're doing brilliant things or they're like doing WTF moments. Like that, <laughs> that man is so French. You can't convince me otherwise. That's a French back three player. I don't know how the Wallabies got him to be eligible for, the, for Australia. He's French. He must, <laughs> he must show his birth certificate because the thing is there's like, nothing more French than Tom Wright. Because on, on the wing, he was minding his own business, you know, solid winger, good finisher in there. You're like, oh, like, they moved to fullback, and you know, he had all this power and all this extra space. He's like, oh, now the real me is going to come out. Like, <laughs> like you, you, you just go back to 14 and hide there. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, they can't, it can't be for cheapest. It, I could not believe my eyes on the weekend. World's funniest rugby player by far. Like, just all his decision-making is so chaotic. I have no idea what the Wallabies are going to do at 15. I mean, I think they basically have him or Andrew Kellaway, Jock Campbell, or I guess James O'Connor as options at 15. Like, oof, it's going to be tough. I'm going to say, say something that I shouldn't say. Where's Tom Banks? <laughs> I think he's broke his arm again, unfortunately. Like he's he basically got Benny Billy Vinopola blood in him. He's like breaks his arm every other week. Was it was, was it like skateboarding or something? Like why are you breaking arm all the time? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, you know it's bad when considering Tom Banks to come in. Or just Reese Hodge. I mean Reese Hodge can be fifteen. I was gonna say Reese like, Hodge, Hodge has been like the ugly stepchild forever, but he always just gets in because of an injury and then he comes on and basically does the job. And everyone's like, yeah, he's a massive, massive guy. He's got a long boot, good under the highball, can play 12, can play uh, 14, can play 11, can play 15. Why did we not select and him? And then uh, he doesn't sink it. His best yeah. position as well. Like if you... Yeah. Well, and then he has like a 300 it. meter kick to win the game and he misses it and then they send him to exile. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, or Dave, or, or Dave Rainey goes and puts him at ten. <laughs> that too. Yeah, it's hard. To, Do it's you? Hard to, I say it's, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to fight for your job as to why you should be as why you should be retained when you have Dave. Um, you have um, what you call it? Um, what's the name? Resort at ten. It's a very hard place when, when you're fighting for your job. You're like Eddie Jones wants to come coach here. So what do you have to say for yourself about? about um, Reese Hodge at 10. He just basically like, okay, let me just resign instead. Like, I've got an argument. I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, just sorry. resign My instead. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fight this. Do you guys remember that era that Villarreal had in the mid-2010s when Which every time he made a mistake? So I'm like mid-2010s. Counting, I'm counting. There's a lot back. He would make a mistake and then he would like absolutely shout at his players. Like yes. and absolutely just go crazy on them. <laughs> but after he would do the stupid stuff, Tom Wright is about two matches away from that. Like he's going <laughs> to do some crazy forward pass and then shout at his teammate for not being, you know, Bad. able to go back in time to catch that ball or something like that. Like such a chaotic player. I love him. He needs to play more test rugby. More top level rugby. We need that guy in <laughs> playing every week for the Wallabies. Like his chaos, he's like Damien Pinot without with just even more chaos. Like it's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's great for the game. I don't. Yeah, I, I I don't know how I don't know how you look at 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 each other in the, in the changing room after that. And yeah, so 
unfortunately for the Brumbies. But just another, like, talking about other players that are entertaining. Sean, Nick White winning those two penalties for lazy runners. Like, that was such... I mean, this whole game was just, like, textbook scrum half. Like, they should teach other scrum halves about that game. Wins those two penalties for the lazy runners and runs into them, makes a big fall, and then gets into a fight with... Probably one of the most intimidating men in rugby, Brody Retallick, and pushes Brody Retallick back. Like, love him. He is in the Scrum Off Hall of Fame. Love him. He will not stand back for anyone. Him and his bandy legs and his mustache, he's like, screw you, I'll take anyone down. <laughs> and I love him. I think so. Apart from the fact that I honestly really do rate him as a nine, he is at one stage in probably in the top three, top two in the world. He's going to the World Cup. He's outstanding. And no, if you ever want to know if you're a good scrum off or not, and we spoke, we spoke about this a long time back, but if the only people that love you as a professional rugby player are your own teammates, you are a good nine. You are actually a world-class nine because if the other team and the other fans want to rip your head off and, uh, and, and, you know, like, and they hate you and all they can talk about is all your other stuff, then you're a good nine. He's brilliant. Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones needs to pick TKB. If you go to a World Cup with Nick White and Tuer Caballo as your nines, there's, there's shit for people. Oh, man, I love it. 100%. And, and, not, and, and, and not Jake Gordon, he needs, come on. Like, like Australians needs to like, come like, wake up now and be like, we can't have Gordon come off the bench now like, anymore. Like, you like, if you can have TKB and Nick White as your nines, I mean, that's, that's as solid and, and, and possibly like McDermott as your third option. That's a very healthy place to be in the scrum of department. Sure. Yeah. So Chiefs Crusaders in the final. Crusaders going for their, what, 43rd um, title in a row with Scott Robertson. Chiefs um, wanting to cap off a great season with the win. Cooks, are we going to see Scott Robertson break dancing at the end of Saturday? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I think so. I, I, I would love to see it. I think I, I do enjoy like history. I mean, imagine being a coach where you've won every single Super Rugby title you've coached it. Like you've never lost Super Rugby. That's like one hell of a way to close out a greatest coach of Super Rugby conversation of all time, having been to every single Super Rugby final and won it. I think be fitting way to end and I think with the Crusaders yeah, they, they seem to be getting better and better each round and peaking at the right time with classic Crusaders Sean what are, on your side yeah it's going to happen um, after that performance I put together on Saturday with the players they've got who are all in form we're in for a, a great little uh, midfield battle again um, I think it's going to be outstanding to watch both tens as well. It's there's head to heads all over the show. Um, yeah, Crusade. Well, oh, let me let me no, nah, let me upset it. No, I reckon um, his his uh, his farewell is going to be spoilt. Sorry, just thinking about this, and I don't know. Maybe it's more out of hope um, than because I mean everything's pointing towards the Crusaders, but the Chiefs are playing good enough rugby. In a solid enough space to win the to to win the game on Saturday, I don't think it's going to be a walkover. I say that now; it's probably going to be another fifty. Someone's going to roll over, but yeah, I say I say Robinson's not going to have the the that little badge of being of winning every single year that he played. 
Daddy coach, should I say? What a disappointment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) His contract for the All Blacks. Tear it up. (laughs) Worst coach in the world. Get him out of there. No, I, I, I think we're seeing another Scott Robertson break dance. I know he's running out of moves. Last year's one, Cooks, I think we talked about this last year. Last year's one was the absolute worst. Like, Nance has run out of good moves. No, it was terrible. It was terrible. He's I'm hoping he's got something. Yeah, I, I think now, I think this year, I think he's got something special saved. Come on, he surely has to. But also, I wonder now if we coach the All Blacks, because now, because every flipping gay international game has some sort of trophy. Like, so now he's using a dance after, like, when they win, like, the, like, the, what's it, like, the Nelson Mandela Cup. He's going to dance when they win the <laughs> um, Sheep Cup against Scotland or whatever. He's going to break dance after, after every game. <laughs> the Sheep Cup. Goodness. Wow. There's always, there's always random trophies. There's always random trophies. That, like, you watch international rugby, like, George and Tonga play. There's a trophy. Like, what are they playing for? Like, what, what do they come from now? It's like presentation. And, oh, Kolkata Cups and, like, oh, my goodness. Triple crowns, <laughs> random. Oh. Like, think of it, like, four trophies. Why, 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 why must the All Blacks and Scotland have a trophy against each other? They play each other like once every three years. Why must Ireland and the Springboks have a trophy against each other? Like, for what? What? what, what like, there's, there's no need for us to have a trophy. Like, oh, he pisses me off sometimes. Pisses me off. But, but like, Scotland and, and New Zealand having a trophy <laughs> for, for what? The All Blacks like, have held what? it. Forever. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 exactly. Like, or like, even like Wales and the All Blacks. Like, Wales have, never, Wales have like never beaten the All Blacks. So like, there's some guys like, hey, guys, I've got motivation. There's a, you know, put a trophy in line. It doesn't change anything. But you know, like, I just don't understand. Now, now, Razor must dance 55 times a season now because of all these random trophies. It's a trophy. It's a dog. It's a breakdown. In, in- 30 years time he's going to be walking with like a Zimmer frame and they'll be like sheesh eh? all those injuries from rugby caught up to you nobody that was from coaching <laughs> it, it's going to be awkward like if it's like the, what do you call it like the Nelson Mandela what's the what we have the Mandela Cup or Mandela player what, I think we play the all player or Freedom Cup Freedom, yeah, freedom. Like, you're going to win a game so like one game you're going to win a game trophy dance let's go dance <laughs> trophy, trophy dance <laughs> Not, so, what do you mean? Like, yeah, you win a game. Oh, my word. Oh, can, I, can I give you a bit of random information? One, yeah, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The last nine times that Scotland and New Zealand have played each other has been in Edinburgh at Murrayfield. The last nine times. Since do you want Scotland to tour New Zealand? No, no, no. They, they okay, actually believed that in 2000 they toured. Um, and they took a 69-20 loss and a 48-14 loss. Makes but, sense. Um, yeah, they've, that's quite crazy, yeah? Hmm. Anyway, I, I, sorry I've got about a, that. I think, I think I said it was last week, but I've got, a, I've got a wild stat for you. So the last Wallaby coach to win the Bezos Cup was Eddie Jones. So the audience have gone full <laughs> circle all the way through coaches and regimes. And players. And going all the way back to Eddie Jones, like, oh, man, can you please win us that thing you won us in 2002? Can you please bring it back to us? Amazing, eh? I need to see, I need to see Eddie Jones do a dance if they win the Bledisloe. Like, that needs to happen. So just a quick one, a little bit of a, of a punt for, for uh, our lads down under. 
um, the Raw podcast have um, they did it, their podcast this week. Eddie Jones was on. On mm. top of Eddie, yeah, that was yeah. amazing. I know. So um, that's flipping rad. I haven't listened to it yet. Totally listening to it soon, but sure, I love listening to Eddie Jones. He's uh, the man. He's sharp. To be fair, there are very few international coaches out there who who are, are cuck. Like in in terms of that, they <laughs> they 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 don't see things. Like there's no guys out there that just have no clue. Like they're all pretty pretty in tune with what's going on. I mean the all black coach. Anyway, um, yeah, I think we'll have to see what Scott what Scott Robertson does on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I'm also predicting a Crusaders win and a Dallas McLeod winning try. Oh wow! I'm guessing. Let's so I'm move guessing, on. I'm guessing Ian Foster's never coming on to on to rugby, but that's 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 oh. gone, man. Count me absent if he comes. I literally don't want to hear from that man. Well, I'm, I, well uh, talking about coaches on podcasts, I think Welsh Rugby, the last thing they want to see is their coach in a podcast. Imagine, guys, like me going like and saying, if I knew it was so bad, I would have taken this job. But I'm stuck here now, so. What? Yes. What? <laughs> I'm like, what? He literally said that. But yeah, the, best part, like if I knew- the best part about that is the, 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 um, everyone has just, like the media, has just totally picked him apart and gone, well, listen, bud. You are literally part of this this whole system for a decade. Like it's not like it's the first time you've put your foot on our soil. Like you are part of our rugby. It's in like in your blood. Like this, how can this be new for you? Oh man. The real, the real, the real bets should be: Is Gatlin gonna quit before the World Cup? Come on, there should be someone oh. putting just August. You know what? Going. You know what? I'm going. I'm going back to New Zealand. I don't need this in my life. I'm done. Oh, that would be... He leaves, he, he leaves during the tournament a la France. When was that? 2011. <laughs> um, but also Eddie Jones said he's not making... He, whether they win or lose the World Cup, he's not coaching anymore or something after signing a 38-year deal with ARU. Oh, my goodness. He also what came out. He, he loves, said, he, yeah, he I loves the that. chaos. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Oh my word! Because because you signed until twenty twenty seven, what is going on in world rugby? <laughs> so let let's let's be honest here. <laughs> I say this and then I start laughing. How many international coaches are going to be on the move at the end of this World Cup? So Ninabas, so the Springboks are going to be up for for one. We we pretty sure <laughs> we pretty sure Foster's that, going to be coaching going. the Greek Yeah, Foster's gone. Um, <laughs> who else is under pressure? If England flop, you reckon Borthwick's gonna get bolted? Yeah, yeah. I think Borthwick. Yeah, I think so as well. I think, but, but for it's who? one of those things like Ron O'Gara. You Ooh. think Rogers gonna get okay. a get a look in? I reckon I Rogers is gonna get a shot at Leinster sometime. Oh no! I think he's never. I think, I think, I think he I'm, wouldn't. Yeah, he would. Johnny do Sexton that. would rather die than Johnny let Ron O'Gara can be banned for life. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, and he still won't retire. He still won't retire. But so there are couple, there are couple coaches on the move. Um, so who's going to replace who? I wouldn't be surprised Maybe. to see Raj coach the international. I think both, both this one is he's the big one. I think that's like and everyone loves an England, England job, eh? That's the yeah, the, everyone the loves the money is job of all money. 
Let me, let me, let me exactly. I'm, I'm gonna tell. You, I'm gonna throw a big. That will that will shake up all drag. We both are gone. Rasi goes. I'm gonna take the England job. And he's, you know, yes, that would shake things up properly. You know, just more importantly, imagine how grumpy so many South African fans would be. Just imagine what comes out. Imagine. <laughs> oh, what about this? Eh? Um, how's this? Oh, yeah. Talking about jobs. Is it is another highball? Ireland lose the quarterfinal. Andy Farrell loses his job. Oh, not a chance. He's staying until 25. No, no. Andy Farrell's going to go soon. Uh, not soon, but Andy Farrell's going to get the Lions job. That's what I think. Andy Farrell gets oh. Lions, and then either he, he dovetails with Ireland or he takes Lions man alone and then brings in someone. And that will open the door for Raj. It'll open the door for... A few others. O'Connell. You think Raj would come in and do it for a year? No. What no, I don't think. Like, if for example, if let's say, why would it, I really wanted Eddie Jones to coach the Lions. I really thought yes. that would have been that would have been. But also, if I'm the Lions, I, I would love to see like someone O'Gara coach the Lions, something different, and not just. But Eddie Jones off. is the perfect. The coaching the Lions suits Eddie Jones down to the ground with all of that, all of the work he does, all of the stuff he does in Japan. He's always around coaching. He's always doing something somewhere. So the Lions suits him perfectly. But 100%. on the topic of, 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 of Robinson, Ronan Agara, like he's been on a flipping winning streak, hasn't he? He won with the Crusaders. Well, I know he wasn't head coach, but I mean, he's flipping knocking the lights out. But what about oh, what about uh, um, uh, Farrell going to the Lions and then Raj going to Ireland? Ooh, Ooh. that could happen. What, what about, or Jacques Nina by taking the Lions? How's that? <laughs> yes. No, there's not an, there's not enough strife in in Britain and Ireland for him to make stories about. There's no more pimps in, 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 in the Lions. <laughs> oh, but on the topic of Six Nations, Tala and coaching. Yeah, big shocker. Oh, yeah. that's that's you leading me in. Thank you. Sorry. Big shocker happened in the the last few days. Kieran Crowley, oh, the, the Federazione Italia Rugby has um <laughs> has has said that Kieran Crowley is not going to continue after the Rugby World Cup, which is very very shocking. We no one really expected that. Crowley has um, led Italy to um, two historical wins: one against um, New, um sorry New Zealand. Wow. Won against um, Wales in the Six Nations, their first win um, in the Six Nations in years, and then um, they won against Australia in November as well. So he's done really well. And in his place comes Gonzalo Caseda, um, who was the coach at Stade de France, I, yeah, in, in the season, and he's been known as a person that sort of takes a team into that next level. Um, so Caseda, I think, is a really good coach. But Crowley being fired, that's a shock there, Sean. It, it really, it smells like they had lined up um, Quesada and then binned Crowley because mm. the announcement was made pretty quickly. And uh, it kind of it smells like that Eddie Jones taking the Wallabies job, like one of those. Like everything was negotiated and done and they just needed a reason to, to get the, the current coach sent, sent off, basically. But 
Casada, I don't know how to pronounce that right. So my apologies. <laughs> um, but he he was at the the Jags, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He was yeah, at the Jaguars for yeah. Like he's not he's not shit. So it's going to be interesting. I know he was at Stud. Now he's been at Stud for three seasons. Didn't he take over from um, from Hanukkah? Um, he might have, or maybe it was just after Hanukkah. Uh, one in between. Um, maybe there was a coach in between Hanukkah and him. But yeah, so it's, I, I'm like it's pretty good. Like he's come from from the Jags into Stud Francais and now into Italy, who. To be fair, have a pretty good platform, so it could work out being a really good business decision when you take the emotional side of it away. Could turn out to be a really, really good business decision by Italy because they are where they are, and then you just try and build on those layers. But then again, it could also really just go tits up. So only time will tell. Yeah, I think also Crowley probably took them to their ceiling. Um, Crowley is known and he did the same with Benetton of being someone that like gives a team a structure. And I think that's what he's done with Italy. It would have been great actually if he stayed in the structures probably, but that's what he did with Italy. Gave them a structure that can make them compete against any good team in the world now. And maybe he can't really take the next step. And I mean, we saw with this year's Six Nations, while they were competitive in all their games, like Crowley's comments about the fact that he basically doesn't want Italy to kick and do things like that. Yeah, that's not going to work <laughs> if you want to be like a, a tier one nation that wins regularly. Like you need a good kicking game. And we saw that um, Stefan Varney, their number nine, was allergic to box kicks. And um, you can see that, you know, there's some pragmatism that you need in the game. So I think with Casada, like for two years, been... it's, not, it's not even two it, years. Like, I think three. No, he, came he joined Italy in 2021. Right? Yeah. Was it 21? Sheesh. Yeah. Oh, time flies. Jeez. So. Yeah, I, I don't know because I just feel like it, it also felt like with the, with the Six Nations that I don't know if, if, if Crowley is going to actually do the necessary pragmatism or add the pragmatism that you need in order to make them actually really competitive on a week-to-week basis. So yeah, I think Casada has a good chance to build on this platform. But yeah, the Italy job is actually probably a, a really good job when you think about it, considering all those young players. So it's a it's a good project to to be a part of. So all the best to him. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> there's now what at least three coaches that we know of that know they won't be um, coaches for their national teams after after the World Cup. Um, Crowley, Ninaba, and Foster like. It's quite crazy for a World Cup, at least at this stage. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like as we said, I think there'll be a few others in the in the in the hot seat. I think the only ones that are probably I'm trying to think now, Cooks. I think the only ones that are really um in their position, um, at least for the next few years, is um Townsend got an extension, so he's good. Um Galtier got an extension. Um, so I think those are the ones that that are still solid. Eddie but Jones is in on... the mix forever. Borthwick, how well, long is Borthwick's contract? He's also 2024. Yes, 2027 20, as well. 27, I mean. So. Yeah, 27. Didn't Farrell also sign a contract extension? 25. Yeah, there's like so there. 
These Ducks are getting clever now. They're signing some some good ones, and then there's massive buyouts there. Eddie Jones is the king of that. He's been <laughs> sharing these crib notes. <laughs> but um, let's let's finish off on this. I mean, we've seen a few squads being announced. Actually, as we speak, I saw the Argentina squad has been announced. I can't oh, really no see way. too many surprises there. Um, but yeah, I think a really good squad, as we know. Uh, Michael Checker, watch out for him. Um, Cooks, we're talking about this in between pods about <laughs> these Pacific Island teams are, are looking dangerous. And the one that we've been sleeping on is Samoa because they actually seem to have a, a fully balanced 15, um, especially when they can bring back um, Charlie Famuina, Lima Sopoaga, and um, Stephen Luatua in that t- into that team. No, I mean, the Samoa, they've, oh, they've got a stacked, stacked, stacked squad. I mean, you still, the stars of Theo McFarlane, who's absolutely phenomenal. Yes, Jeff, man. Jeff Jumonga, Allen. And he's fit and like Jeffrey Tuamanga Allen is in that mix. I mean, flipping hell. Like, I mean, Jack Lamb is there. I mean, so it's like, it's one of those um, situations where like, Fritz Lee, cheap. They're, they're, they're proper stacked. I mean, like, do you have Christian Lufano and, and um, let me talk as you're 10. And you can still have Duncan Paia, who's going to play 10 slash 12. So they do have such a nice squad. And I, and I do think they will. Oh, they will, they will, like, it wouldn't be surprised if they catch out a few teams, but I mean, like, the, out of all the Pacific Island teams, they probably look the most balanced. I mean, obviously, Fiji is scary, but again, they, they, need, they need a 10. Tonga, they, they need of a, a 10 as well. So, yeah, it's, it's shaping like these Pacific Island teams are going to absolutely cause havoc in this World Cup because we're so worried about, and rightly so, I mean, you're chatting about like the, the A to could win it. But you, you, you don't want to have to, you, you, like, you look at like Ireland and Supremo, it's like, Tonga's not a game that you want to have to be able to, to worry about it. after all this happening. Then you have, to, you have to deal with Tonga or if you, England, and, and you, you still have to deal with Fiji. Like, oh, like, that's, and, and, and so it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. And I'm, and I'm so glad to see that the Pacific Island sides have actually gotten stronger because they have been flipping hemorrhaged by but teams taking their players now it's great they're getting those players back and I think oh, I think it's gonna they're gonna make a massive massive statement in the World Cup. But you know this years for years and years and years we've always been saying oh you know this is what a Samoa side will look like this is what a Tonga side will look like and then mm-hmm. now they deliver it in the 2023 World Cup when we're in the shittest group ever like I won't lie like. Uh, Maybe next time could they have done it rather? But it's ridiculous. Like Samoa, a midfield of Peter Aki and Malachi Fekatoa, uh, Charles Piertau playing at fullback or on the wing. Like they've got Fafita Vailanu in the Lucys. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Tonga. Coleman at lock. Yeah, Coleman is just joined them. Tonga, they've got um, Suteni there, Sopoaga. Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Stacey Ely. You know, he, he, he's pretty handy, but I mean, it's more about their forwards. Like, it's, oh man, it's so crazy. And just hope that they, I hope that this gets built on um, because, but what we'll see now, we'll probably see less movement because this movement has happened. And oh, I don't know. I don't actually know what we'll see in the future, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like, we want the guys to be competitive. We always wanted them to be competitive. This could be, that little bit of, of, of rugby change, I don't know how it's going to sort of, um, sort of trickle out, but this could be 
that side of the southern hemisphere that they get like to replace the Springboks in in a very very roundabout way. Um, the Springboks and the South African sides and Super Rugby is to start building around that. that. That's the only place that they can start doing it. But um, they're trying to do it in Super Rugby. It's great to see in a World Cup. It's phenomenal. I made no sense there, but I'm sure if you think about it, you'll try and get <laughs> what I'm at. And yeah, shout out to Jared. He, he wrote an article for Planet Rugby with like what uh, a Samoan 15 could potentially look like. Running through it very quickly, um, he's got Silpoag at 15. On the wings, he's got Tim Nanai Williams, geez, and Nigel Wong. In the midfield, he's got Paiua and Siotene, who's obviously been great for La Rochelle, and Paiua's been great at Toulon. Um, at 9 and 10, it's um, Inari and Leah Lefano at 10. In your loose forwards, you've got Fritz Lee, Jordan Taufua, oh my goodness, and Stephen Luatua. At lock, you have Chris Vui and, and, and Theo McFarland. And in the front okay. row, you have got, you've got Michael Alalotoa, um, Sayalala Lamb, and quite controversially, um, Titi um, Lamositele. So he used to play for the United yeah, States, States Eagles. Yeah. And he's pretty much made himself unavailable the last few years. And now he's popping up here. So he, I played, saw, junior, um, he played junior um, under 20s for USA as well. Yeah. yeah, so I saw like him. people it's like yeah. yeah, I saw people like Paul Tate and Tier Two Rugby saying that this rule actually adv- doesn't advantage, doesn't help Tier Two nations except for the Pacific Island ones because the Pacific Island ones don't develop pretty much their own talent. Like that's the argument that they made there, and uh, Tier Two nations that do develop their talent, like USA, and in, de- in developing Lamasitele, they lose out because these players now want to go join these super teams pretty much. So you can obviously read that um, and see I'm his gonna, opinion there as well. I'm going to, I'm going to throw my two cents in. It's, it was all made under this cloak of that, that it's there to, to help tier two nations and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is it's there to help top class fringe players because essentially what happens if a guy gets lost by Samoa and he's playing for Australia and he ends up constantly playing and being, being in the mix, then, then he will never qualify for Samoa again. Um, and that's just the way it is. So it comes with stuff like this. But, you know, if you look at a guy like maybe Klan is, a, is, a, is an example. Like he grew up, he spent his whole life not thinking about putting on the green of, of Ireland. But he ended up playing for Ireland, which is great, and I'm happy for him. But now he's got a chance to realize yet another dream of his, and that's to play for the Springboks because he wanted to play international rugby. So it it swings and roundabouts, I feel. Um, but mm. you know, it what it does do is it allows those nations to plan a little bit more. So it'll change the coaching. It'll change the way things are done. There's got to be some serious negotiations in it. But from a coaching point of view, like guys are able to keep their eye like. Rossi Rasmus said, when this rule was passed, which they all voted against, when it was passed, they were like, cool, now let's keep an eye on these couple of players. Probably only had one, but, you know, it's the way it is. Like, with every rule and law, there's going to be a way of getting around it or, alternatively, a a way of making it work for you and there'll be a way of the way it works against you is what it is. I don't think it's there to specifically benefit one team. 
Yeah, it's interesting just seeing how this rule has sort of popped um, and like the consequences of it, you can see quite clearly. I mean, looking at a Tonga potential 15, like there's so obviously people returning and so many options that they're spoiled for. Like you went through like having Falau and Piotau and Pekitoa and Peter Aki and, you know, they, they're just so stacked. But yeah, I think Cook's just going back to it. I mean, Samoa, they're in a group with England, Argentina and Japan. I mean, that 23, because we mentioned just the 15 there, you have Charlie Famuina on the bench. You have Jeff Tumaga Allen as, as a bench prop. I mean, just those two as props for Fiji and Tonga would help a lot. Samoa must fancy their chances to get out of the group there because England's not so strong. Argentina, I think, is probably the, 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 the top team there. I mean, if they can get consistent. And Japan isn't really as strong as they were in 2019 or even 2015. Like, Samoa can see themselves getting two wins against, you know, those three sides. 100%. I think they'll definitely be fancy themselves. I think that, I mean, that's a sneaky little pull of, pull of death as well because, like I said, Japan also, they may not be the strongest, but they think, they're probably thinking, geez, we, we could sort of try and find a way to string together winning as Argentina and England. And Argentina's probably thinking the same thing of like, we can actually win this pool and find ourselves arguably playing against either a terrible Welsh side or potentially Fiji in the, or Georgia in the quarterfinal. So, and, and the thing is sometimes when a pool like that is, seems like evenly matched, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, England should win the group. But I mean, like Argentina, Samoa and Japan, that's a dogfight for second place. And, 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 and someone could help out something like an England beating Japan help Samoa or England could, 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 could go and beat Argentina, which would help Samoa as well. And also is just, Sneak one against Argentina, so it wouldn't be surprised me where either Samoa or Fiji find themselves in the quarterfinal. And I think this will, yeah, I think that that could be the big, that could be the big um the upset. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to that group because that group is very, 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 very interesting. No one's talking a lot about Fiji because they don't have any big names that have been brought in and and sort of changes of allegiances and stuff. But Fiji have been slowly been a little bit competitive and they just got to work on a few things. So the Pacific Island nations as a whole are going to cause chaos. Yeah. Scary hours for the rest of the world because I think there's, <laughs> there's at least three of the four pools have three or four teams that you can see beating each other in some way. I mean, Fiji's with, Wales, Australia, Georgia, that's also the group that's going to be a mess. We know what Tonga, the group of Tonga, and we've just spoken about Samoa as well. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun looking forward to the Rugby World Cup that's happening. And ladies and gentlemen, let us end here uh, on this episode of the Rugby World Podcast. Double for your trouble. You've got two episodes this week that you can um, listen to. We're going to be seeing what's going to happen with the Curry Cup final and the Super Rugby final and see what 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 those results bring and we'll keep you up to date with all the news that's happening in the rugby world as well so thank you so much please like share and subscribe to this podcast please follow us uh on on our on social media as well and yeah make sure that you can stay up to date with all the rugby news happening bye-bye